Acts chapter 3. I'm amazed as to how the Lord seems to intertwine things. Um, Brother Tyrrell, or Pastor Levi, um, likes to uh, get the order of service done around Tuesday. And I, don't, I know what I'm preaching on, but I don't usually know all the details of what I'm preaching until later in the week. And um, I'm going to reference the faith is the victory that overcomes the world. And we just sing that song. And then uh, it's interesting to see how God ties things together for Sunday morning and Sunday evening messages. And it's, to me, numbers and acts are so far apart. And really, if you were to think about them, you'd never put them together. Yet the Lord seems to be dovetailing things together. So I just uh, really enjoy watching what the Lord does. I want you to think about something with me this evening, if you would. Prevailing is completely determined by dependence. Prevailing is completely determined by dependence. We've spent a lot of time on Sunday mornings looking at how the children of Israel need to be dependent upon God to be able to conquer the promised land. I believe that the church in Acts is no different. I also believe that the church in 2019 is no different. And if we are going to be a prevailing church, then we must be, let me say this again, we must be dependent upon God. We must be dependent upon God. Last week, uh, just before our annual business meeting, we looked at uh, the portrait of the prevailing church, and we looked at 11 key aspects of the prevailing church. There was many things that um, went on there, and I hope you'll think about some of those things. But today, I want to kind of get into Acts chapter 3 in verse 1. The Bible says this, Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something from them. Of them, excuse me. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity. I pray that this would not be a wasted opportunity, but Father, this would be an opportunity in which we can change for the better and for you. And Father, I pray that you would be honored and glorified through all that's said and done here in this place. I pray that you'd be with our upstream teenagers that are uh, having a class next door. I pray that you would be with them tonight. I pray that you would uh, fill Pastor Levi as he uh, teaches and preaches. And Father, I pray that people would come to know you over there and would draw closer to you there as farther as well as here. And Father, I pray that you give us all ears to hear that we might do something for you. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. 
Amen. I want to give you a message I've entitled, The Expectation to Prevail. The Expectation to Prevail. And the first thing that I want you to see here in this story is, number one, they were public. They were public. If you'll go back to verse 1 of Acts chapter 3, the Bible says, Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. What I want you to notice is they were public. They were out in the open. They were going where the people were going. At this time in history, the hour of prayer, as we see here, was the ninth hour around 3 o'clock in the afternoon. This was the time in which people went to the temple and they began to pray. And it seems as if there's many people going to the temple because this is the time that this man was out sitting down and asking for an alms. So Peter, Peter and John are out in public. They were not holed up in an upper room waiting for Jesus to return. They were out and about. They were not withdrawn from society. They were out in it. There was a time when they were locked up in an upper room. And they were up there because of fear. I want to read that for you. The same, it's in John chapter 20 and verse 19. The Bible says, Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. So they were in this upper room with the doors shut, with the doors closed so that nobody could get in for fear of the Jews. Why? Because Jesus had just died and they, were, they had basically attacked Jesus and, and these disciples all fled from them because they were followers of Jesus and they didn't want to be uh, associated with Jesus at this time so they all go hide. And they're in this upper room and Jesus has risen from the dead and now they think also on top of that that, they, that the Jewish leaders think the disciples have stolen the body and are fabricating some story that he has risen again. And so they're hiding out of fear in the upper room. So there was a time when they did hide in fear, but now they're not. There's no fear in them. They were out, they were open, they were in the public. And I want you to think about this. It's very easy to withdraw from society and stay away from it. It's very easy to do that. As Christians, we think it's, it's something that sometimes we need to do. Hey, I'm just going to hole up and I'm going to wait till Jesus comes. I'm gonna, just going to stay in a spot and, and I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to just live my life and I'm going to protect my children. And, and I, I want to be very careful with this. There are certain protections that we need to put in place. But the Bible says that we are to be in the world, but not of the world. We are supposed to be out there. We are supposed to be doing something. We were called to make a difference. We were called to be in the world, but not of it. And here, the disciples, Peter and John, were going into all the world to preach the gospel. You see, that's a good question. How can we go into all the world and preach the gospel if we are stuck inside or stuck in our little group or stuck in some little uh, uh, thing in which we put barriers around so that nothing can get in or nothing can get out. How could they do that if they stayed in the upper room? They couldn't. They had to get out. They had to get into the public. They had to get to the place where Jesus had called them. I believe they went out with a boldness. I believe they went out with something, a boldness of having Jesus Christ on their side. 
You see, up until this point, we've seen, seen some great things happen. We've seen them pray in one accord as a church, and they, they, they have the Holy Spirit come upon them, and they get, begin to speak in tongues, and, and those things begin to uh, uh, raise awareness, and Peter gets up and he preaches an entire sermon about Jesus Christ, and people were, were saved, and 3,000 people were added to the church, and, and these things are going really well. It would have been very easy for them to just stay put and allow God to work with those 3,000 people, but no they get out and they get in public and they do what it was that God called them to do and they had Christ on their side not only did they have Christ on their side they had a message that people needed to hear again Christ called them to go into all the world and to preach the gospel You see, they had a message in which they needed to present to people. They had a message that not just the church needed. There was people outside of the church. And so the first thing I want you to notice is they were public. The second thing I want you to notice is they were perceptive. They were perceptive. Look at verse 2. The Bible says, And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful. To ask alms of them that entered into the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. Okay, so put yourself in this situation. You're downtown London and you're walking around to some of the shops and different things and maybe you're going into somewhere and there's someone sitting on the the side there and they're in a coat or maybe a blanket wrapped around them and they're saying, do you have any loose change? Do you have any loose change? What is your initial reaction? I hope you're nothing like me because my initial reaction is just to do this number. Please don't look at me. Don't make eye contact. Don't look, right? That's pretty, that's pretty natural for me. I hope none of you are like that, but that's me, all right? I don't want to do that. And so he, he says to Peter and John, hey, do you have some alms that I can give? Let's continue. And Peter, verse 4, fastening his eyes upon him with John said, look on us. So it, 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 is, it appears that maybe there were so many people that this man was looking and he just said alms, alms, alms for the poor and, and Peter and John maybe are already past them or something and Peter turns around and says, hey, look on us. Look at me. Look at me. And he, oh, okay. Probably never had anything you know, happen like this and, and he's expecting them to give, give him something and verse 5 it says, and he gave heed unto them expecting to receive something of them. Okay, I'm going to look at you, and I'm expecting to receive an alms, maybe, maybe an, a, an especially big alms, because this is not just somebody flicking a few quarters or, or dimes at me. It's somebody, hey, look at me. Maybe he's expecting a big gift. Then in verse 6, then Peter said, silver and gold have I none. Can you imagine his, <laughs> his like, well, what are you doing then? What are you wasting my time, so to speak? Uh, obviously, he's got all the time to spare. He's not doing anything but sitting there at the gate, beautiful. And he's like... Probably this sinking feeling. But Peter says, but such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. You see, they were perceptive. They uh, didn't go out with their heads down and and scared of what people might think of them. They didn't have their robes over their heads and, and, and scared and trying to be ashamed of what they were and who they were anymore. They were no longer in hiding. They were out and about and they were being perceptive and they see this man and this man sees them and they begin to look for that person and who they can give the message of Jesus Christ to. And I, I would not doubt that Peter and John probably did not have any money. If uh, I mean, they were fishermen, but they have not fished in a long time. 
In fact, uh, we know from uh, the Gospels that Peter needed to pay uh, um, uh, taxes and we don't necessarily know if he had any money, but Jesus says, go and go fishing, and the fish, first fish that you catch, open its mouth, and there'll be some money in there. Go and give that for us, you and me. And so I'm not sure that they had a ton of money. I don't know. Maybe they, they did or they didn't, but the fact of the matter is Peter says, silver and gold, have I none? They don't have what it is that you're looking for, but I have something else. Peter and John were bold they were looking around. They were looking for somebody that they could tell about Jesus Christ. They were active. I want you to notice that. They were active. Most of us, if you're honest with yourself, are passive. We're very passive. We're not actively looking for somebody to preach the gospel to. They were, they were perceptive. They saw someone who had a need and they were now able to help with that need. You see, it's so easy to get into our little routines. It's so easy to get in, into our routines and forget about the people that are around us. We get so busy doing good things and going to church and, 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 and going to work and doing all those quote-unquote good things and spending time with our family that we lose perception of those people that are lost and dying in the world around us. You see, there's a people that need the message of Jesus Christ. And so often we can just so easily walk by them. I forget where we were, but we were in London on Wonderland Road, that bunch of uh, stores there. There's a Toys R Us there, or used to be a Toys R Us there. There's a Home Depot, and there's all kinds of stores there. I forget which one of those stores we were going into, but we're heading into one of those doors, and sure enough, there's this guy sitting on the sidewalk with, wrapped up in a, in a blanket, and he's asking us for any money. I did not have any money on I rarely carry cash on me. And my kids said, Daddy, what is that man doing? And I said, he's asking for money. Well, why is he asking for money? You know what I didn't say? Because he's a lazy bum and needs a job. I didn't say that. And so I said, he's just had some rough times and might need some money. And so Maya, Miss Tenderhearted, says, I want to give him some money, Dad. And I said, I don't have any. So she runs and asks her mom, Mommy, do you have any money? So Beth opens her purse, and we, there's just a few quarters and things in there, and we were able to find some. And Maya reaches into her pocket, and I think she had a dime or something. She says, I want to give him this too. And so I was like, there is no way we're giving this guy this money without saying something. So we come back out, and I said, guys, do you want to give him the money? And they said, yeah. So they give him the money. And I just, I just walked over, and I said, listen, Jesus loves you, and we want to give you this because of Jesus. Now, I have no idea what that will ever do. But the fact of the matter is I didn't want to waste an opportunity. I didn't want to just shove that man and just put my hand to the side and maybe even toss him a few quarters and keep walking. I wanted to be like Peter and John. Now, I'm not trying to toot my own horn. I'm just saying the Lord convicted me about that. The Lord convicted me about, first of all, that's my first option is to look away and say, I'm sorry, I don't have anything. But then my second option is maybe I do have something, I can just pitch him something. But then the Lord convicted me and says, he needs to know that you're a Christian, that you are doing this because of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that if we were to give a cup of cold water in his name, that it will be blessed. And so these men were perceptive, and it's so easy to forget that there are people that are going to hell. Do you realize that in our 21st century Christianity, North American Christianity, people still go to hell daily. 
we can even have a tendency to look down on these people. I know that, again, it's easy to do, that we look down on these people as if we have something that they don't have and we're better than these people. But really, we're not. We, truth is, we do have something that we don't have or that they don't have. But you know what? We did nothing to earn it. So often we can get proudful about the fact that we have Jesus Christ as our personal Savior and look down on somebody, but you know what? We did nothing to earn that. And so we should be bearing the good news and being perceptive and seeing those people. They saw this man in his need. They didn't just see his immediate need of alms. They didn't just say, all right, we'll just give you some some money. They saw something much greater. They saw that he needed to walk. And they saw that he needed a belief in Jesus Christ. I want to challenge you tonight with this. Would you see people as Christ sees people? Man, that's a tall order. But I only can challenge you with this. The closer you get to Christ, the more you will see people like you, as Christ sees people. And so, again, our, 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 our theme, our vision for our church is to seek Christ and to share hope. Seeking Christ and sharing hope. I want to challenge you to see people as Christ sees them, but I want you to turn over to Matthew chapter 9 with me. Matthew chapter 9. Keep your finger there in Acts. We'll be coming back. Matthew chapter 9 and verse 35. Matthew chapter 9 and verse 35. The Bible says this. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Watch this in verse 36. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. You see, Christ saw them as sheep having no shepherd. How do you see your coworkers? Do you just see them as coworkers? How do you see your neighbors? Do you just see them as the annoying neighbor that lives next to you? How do you see those people in which you go to the gym with? How do you see those people? Do you see them as Christ sees them? If you do, that's great. You're very perceptive. But so often we lose that somehow. We lose the fact that Christ sees them in just a little bit of a different light. But these men, these Peter and John, did not lose that. They were perceptive. Christ saw these people for what they were. Don't let yourself lose your perception as Christ's perception. And number three, I want to see the main point of the message here. They were prevailing. They were prevailing. If you'll go back to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3 and verse 6. Again, then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Prevailing is happening. They are overcoming uh, things that the devil does not want them to overcome. And verse 7, and he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength, something that they had never had. He has never walked. He was lame from his mother's womb, the Bible says in verse 8. And he, leaping up, stood and walked. You ever watch a baby start to walk? They're not very good on their feet. 
They're very toppley and they, they can fall over very easily and they're very unstable. But this man leaps up and begins to walk and jump and, and praise the name of Jesus Christ, praising God. Verse 9, and all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering. You see, they, they're perceptive. They see one man, and from that one man now people are beginning to go, whoa, what's going on? People are beginning to ask questions, and we'll see here in a little bit. The, the, again, uh, Peter gets another opportunity to preach another sermon about Jesus Christ. And he begins to, he begins to give that and, and, and preach that and, and preach a message about what Jesus Christ did and the change that he can bring. You see, Peter and John see a great transformation happen right in front of their eyes. They, they watch it. Testimony gets out quickly. People begin to ask, hey, what's going on? And, and Jesus again is glorified. Do you see how easy it is to prevail? All of a sudden, things are really seemingly going very well. I do want to contrast this story with a story that happened earlier on in the disciples' ministry. If you go back to Matthew with me, Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17. It's so easy for us to think, well, they were the disciples. This was the book of Acts, a transitional period, which it was. But I think there are some things that we can learn from these two passages. Matthew chapter 17. If you would, look at verse 14 with me. The Bible says this, And when they were come into the multitude, there came to him a certain man, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic and sore, vexed, for oft times he falleth into the fire and oft into the water. Watch this now in verse 16. And I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil. And he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Now watch this, I love this part. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, if ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. How be it? This kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. You see, the disciples tried to cast a demon out of a boy. They were unable to do it. Why? Because of their unbelief. And I've mentioned this before, but I believe that the disciples believed they could do it. But the fact of the matter is they believed they could do it. They didn't put their faith in the right person. They didn't put their faith in the power of the Lord. They were not casting that demon out in the power of Jesus Christ. But what I love about this is that they come to Jesus and they ask, why couldn't we do it? Why couldn't we cast them out and Jesus gives them a very direct answer because of your unbelief and then he gives them another hint 
Perhaps they were thinking, well, we believed. But he gives them another hint. How be it, he says, this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. You see, the disciples asked. They, they tried and they failed. And when they failed, they didn't just give up. They didn't just throw in the towel. They didn't just say, fine, I'm done with this. This will never work. We'll never see anyone healed. No, they go to Jesus and say, hey, what did we do wrong? How can we better do this? How, why was it that we were not able to cast them out? Again, God gives them an answer. And you know what they do? They go back to the drawing board. All right? If that's what we need to do, we need to do this a little better. We need to work on this. And we need to pray. And we need to fast. You know what they don't do? They don't give up. They don't give up. Now, here they are in Acts chapter 3. And you know what they're doing? They're healing a lame man. One that was lame from his mother's womb. Do you see the contrast in the story? There was a time where they couldn't cast out a demon. And now they're, cast, they're raising this man to, that was lame from his mother's womb. And, and things are, wow, something is spectacular here. What changed? You know, we've looked at this in the beginning of the Acts. You know what they did? They spent much time in prayer. Much time in prayer. And now they're full of the Holy Ghost. They're full of the Holy Ghost. And notice, again, if you'll go back to um, Acts, Acts chapter 3, I want you to notice something in verse 6. Acts chapter 3 and verse 6. At the end of the verse, it says, In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. You see, before they were maybe doing it in their own strength, but they were obviously not doing it in God's strength. But here they are. They're saying, you know what? It's not my power. It's not by my might, but by the Spirit of God, by Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. It's not us, and we'll see that in his message. It wasn't us that healed him. It was Jesus Christ that healed him. It was not of our power. It was of God's power. It was him that did it. It was not us. And they begin to prevail where they failed before they are now prevailing. You see, it can be the same. It can be the same for us. It's so easy to have tried once and fail and give up, isn't it? I think it is. Well, that's never going to work. I tried it once. It's never going to work. You see, we've tried so many different things uh, in, in my short amount of time here at Bible Baptist Church. We've tried so many things to reach out and give people the good news of Jesus Christ. And you know what? There's been times it's been successful. There's been times it's failed. But every time, and I'm so thankful for this, every time we go back to the drawing board and say, God, what can we do? What did we do wrong? So often it's easy to throw in the towel and say, well, that doesn't work. But Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18 that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. So when Satan does prevail, when Satan does seemingly gain the victory, then we must, folks, listen, we must, we must go back to God and say, all right, God, what did I do wrong? What did I do? How did I mess up? The Bible says that a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again. What did I do wrong? Why weren't we able to prevail? 
And I believe that this type of attitude will always produce teaching moments. I want you to think about Cain and Abel. We've been spending a lot of time in our Connect classes on Cain and Abel. You see, Cain's offering, the Bible says that God had not respect unto Cain's offering. We've spent a lot of time in our class asking why not, and we can, we're not going to get into that, but we can spend a lot of time asking why not. But here's the fact of the matter. What if Cain had just said, God, you didn't have respect unto my offering. Why not? And it, I want to I figure it out. Why? Because I want, to, I want you to respect my offering. What if he'd have done that? The Bible even says that, hey, Cain, get this right. If you do it right, you'll rule over your brother. If you don't, the Bible says, sin lieth at the door. And so, folks, we do this all the time. We'll try something, and we'll maybe try it three, four, five, six, maybe ten times. It doesn't matter. And we seem to fail and fail and fail. And we say, all right, I'm not doing that anymore. God is not faithful. That's what we're saying when we give up. I believe that with all my heart. God is not faithful. When we give up, God, you made me a promise that the gates of hell would not prevail against the church. And we've been trying and trying and trying. You are not faithful. And so we're going to throw in the towel. You see, these men trusted God. They had much reason to. Christ had done so much in their tenure with him. In just the short three and a half years, he had performed miracle after miracle after miracle. He did things that they could never do. And they went to him when they failed and they said, what did we do wrong? And had they quit, had they given up, had they said, no more, we're not going to walk with you anymore, Acts chapter 3 would not be happening right now. This man, this one man that was lame from his mother's womb at the gate beautiful, he would not know Jesus Christ as personal Savior if they'd given up. These, these men were prevailing. Failure is not to make us give up. Failure is made to teach. Failure is not made to give, make us give up. Failure is made to to teach. Do you learn from failures? You see, here's, here's the deal. We need to have an attitude of expecting to prevail. I don't know where you're at in your life, but I have been in certain situations in my life where I have thought this. Well, I guess this is just the state we're in. We live in Canada. Nobody wants to hear the gospel. Nobody wants to understand. Nobody wants to grow. Nobody wants to get right with God. Everybody's comfortable in their pew. Everybody's comfortable in the state that they're in, and we can get this way very easily. And we say, I tried that, and it didn't work. I tried that, and it didn't work. I tried that, and it didn't work. We get in this routine, this state and we get to start blaming it on God. But instead we should be saying, what did I do to keep us from prevailing? Because God said, you will prevail. If you're my church, 
If you're going to do what I ask you to do, if you're going to get out there and you're going to preach the gospel, he said that I will go with you. And lo, I am with you always. So what are we doing that is preventing us from prevailing? The question is, do we have faith in God that he will perform that which he said he would do? Do we trust God enough to perform that which he said he would do? If he said he would never allow the gates of hell to prevail against the church, do we believe that? If we do, I'm telling you, if we do, it should change the way we act. I've been fighting whether or not I was going to tell you this story or not. I'm going to tell you. Last Sunday morning, I preached the message on priesthood and how it tied in to Jesus Christ. I thought it would be a great salvation message. And I text Pastor Holland and Pastor Levi, and I said, hey, would you guys pray with me this morning? I'm begging God for one soul today from this message. I preached the message, finished, didn't see anybody come forward. Was I disappointed? I was absolutely disappointed. But this is just my attitude. God... If you're not ready to answer that prayer for me yet, if you don't want to give me that much yet, then so be it. But I want to find out what I need to do to have that prayer answered. See, I didn't, I felt like I did not prevail last weekend. But that's not going to stop me. And folks, it's so easy to get in this spot where it doesn't work. They don't want to hear it. They don't want to be around me. They don't want to hear what I have to say. They don't want to hear about me talking about church. And and some of those things are probably true. I'm not going to say that they're completely false. But the fact of the matter is, if God is faithful, which he is, he has said, we will prevail. And so it's our job. To say, why? Why am I not? And I guarantee you, you start asking that, he's going to start pointing things out, and he's going to give you little hints along the way. These men, Peter and John, were prevailing. First John chapter 5 and verse 4 says, This is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Why? Why? Because faith is that thing which puts us dependent upon God. And God has the power for us to prevail. Do you believe? Do you believe? Do you believe that God can help us prevail? The disciples did. And we'll see through the rest of the book of Acts, a prevailing church. It just keeps going. I believe this with all my heart. We can prevail. We can prevail in St. Thomas. We can prevail in Ontario. We can see Canada reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We can see it. But we must have confidence in God and faith in him. Prevailing is completely determined by dependence. Completely. Do you believe? 
So my question for you this evening, let's pray.